Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Through Nick and Thin. The podcast where we watch every Nicolas Cage movie in chronological order so that you don't have to. I'm your host, my name is Steve. Joining me, as always, is the man, the myth, the legend, Hannah. Hannah, how are you doing this week? Not a man. I'm a myth, also a legend. You are. Yeah. Right before we started recording, I said, you good man? She's like, don't call me man. And here we are. He did it again. Okay. How are you? Great. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you. I'm fantastic because we... Weren't you not great last time? Or was that two times ago? What did we even watch last time? Running with the Devil. Running with the... Yeah, that movie was just boring. You can probably hear me flipping through my notes as I as I look for that, but no, I'm I'm doing great this time because we watched Kill Chain and I had a lot of fun with this one. This is kind of an enjoyable movie, standard action movie, I would say. Yeah, but Running with the Devil was also sort of like a standard drug action movie, and this one, I don't know, was a little different. I haven't yeah, really seen was, anything like this it. This one was classified as a neo noir action thriller film. Okay, and I think I would put it you know, in the realm of other, like, film noir detective type of movies, kind of. I wrote down the words detective movie. This movie reminded me of a detective movie, even Mm -hmm. though there are no detectives in this. Yeah, I think it was just the way the storytelling was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. We'll discuss what that means in a moment. very vague. It is a little vague. (laughs) Uh, But this movie, Kill Chain from 2019 tells the tale of a series of assassins who all kill each other who are all sent by a mysterious organization to kill one another so it starts with one assassin and you follow his story for 15 minutes he gets killed by another assassin and then you follow his stories for 15 minutes and you're just off and running and of course Nicolas Cage is one of the the kinks in this kill chain so we'll talk about it we'll go through it Nick Cage scene by Nick Cage scene it'll be fun I'd say he's pretty kinky (laughs) (laughs) and less than three minutes in hannah's calling nicholas cage kinky here we go it's gonna be a podcast it's gonna be a time yeah absolutely so we are going to get started as we usually do with hannah's segment of the show get hyped she throws up the deuces you can't see it chucked him up she's jumping up and down with joy she's got tears streaming down her face (laughs) she's gonna relay some information Background information was what I meant to say. Some numbers, behind-the-scenes info on mm-hmm. Kill Chain. Hannah, the floor is yours. Thank you. I'm not that emotional, as Steve pointed me out to be, because as he said, I'm a man. I'm a <laughs> myth, and I'm also a legend. And men don't show emotion. Men don't, as show I emotion. Thought we, men don't jump it. up and down and cry. Right. Only Nick Cage does. So this movie is called Kill Chain, as Steve mentioned many times now. <laughs> Thanks for reiterating <laughs> it. Thanks for mansplaining it to me. <laughs> It came out in 2019 as also aforementioned. Yeah, I literally just said that. <laughs> I always have to just read this verbatim. <laughs> you t- I have to talk about the numbers and 2019 are numbers, so I can't just That's skip fair. over that. That's fair. It is a 5 out of 10 on IMDb and a 32% on Rotten Tomatoes. It had a budget of $3.5 million and it was released straight to video on demand on October 18th, 2019 Hmm. by Amazon Studios. Hmm. And that is how you can watch it. That is how we watched it. We watched it on Amazon Prime. Wow. 
so it's still there. Like it, it never got picked up by a different streaming service or something. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. I think the 30% for the Rotten Tomatoes score. 32. Oh, <laughs> I, I bumped the mic. So I probably, there's probably a weird cut in there, but uh, that 32 is a audience score. There is no critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, if I recall correctly from last uh, well, week when I looked sense. it up. It was straight to DVD. Yeah. So I think even still, I think 32 is too low. I'm surprised more people didn't find this movie enjoyable. I had fun with it. Plot's really hard to follow. It devolves in the back in the It back feels knife. like it's the kind of movie that you want to not have to pay super close attention to. But yeah. if you really want to understand what's going on, you need to focus. And I'm not good at that. No. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why you're making excuses for this movie. <laughs> I just feel like sometimes if Liam Neeson can do it, why can't Nicolas Cage? You know what I mean? Why can't he be an old man action star too? I'm not saying he can't. But, yeah, I'm, but not, not... I'm also not saying that Liam Neeson's movies are that good. They're not, but they're more <laughs> successful true like but i mean nick cage has plenty of successful movies yeah you're right i'm sure liam neeson has some stinkers nick cage just works more that's He's true. like the hardest working actor in hollywood that's arguable but for our purposes it's true <laughs> i'm sure there's someone who works harder <laughs> i don't know in recent years <laughs> yeah right he's turning shit out like it's his business because it is <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. This movie was shot in Colombia in 2018, as mm. was part of Running with the Devil. So mm-hmm. Steve and I have a theory that perhaps Nick asked for this to be shot in Colombia instead of another yeah. Latin America. Is that in Latin America? No, South American country. South America, yeah. Just for convenience sake. I think so. I honestly don't think it really mattered where this movie took place. No, I think it needed to be in Latin America or South America just so they didn't have to like rewrite a ton of dialogue. Since there's a lot of Spanish. They yeah. cast Spanish actors. Yeah, but it could have been in like Jacksonville, Florida or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it could have like been Miami. in the US or Miami or yeah. it could have been in Cuba mm-hmm. or I don't know. Any yeah, that's the, fair. You know, anywhere in this south, southern North America, Central America, South America. Right. So we have no idea if this is true, but this is just our speculation. hypothesis. Speculation. Mm. Um, this, like I said, was classified as neo-noir action thriller film, and it was produced by both Millennial Films. This is the seventh movie Nick has done with Millennium Films. Yeah, that pops up a lot. Millennium, not Millennial. I think I said Millennial. <laughs> and Saturn Films, which is Nicolas Cage's own production company. And Nick Cage is also listed as an executive producer for this movie. It was directed and written by the same guy, Ken Sanzel. I looked him up. I don't really know much about him. He was a showrunner for the show Numbers with, the, like, with the three at the end yeah. instead of the E. Yeah. From like the early 2000s, if you remember that one. I do, where it was like a math genius solved yeah. crimes because uh-huh. he was good at math. That was like around the same time that Monk was out. And I feel like people who liked Monk also may have liked Numbers. Monk was a little bit more lighthearted and Numbers was a little bit more serialized, mm-hmm. you know, cop drama kind Action. of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, like a mathematician probably pulled a gun several times in that show. <laughs> it's like 
archaeologist Lara Croft. Oh my god, yeah. You play any of the Tomb Raider games and she's like, I'm just an archaeologist or a geologist or whatever the fuck she is. And then the next thing you're doing, you're like shooting people in the head with a bow and arrow. I mean, same with any of the movies with her. Yeah, it's fun. Same with Indiana Jones. It's like there's no reason that he should... Yeah, he shoots Be such a like a... Such a good shot, you know? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. But it is what it is. Um, Could not find much about this movie mm-hmm. since it was straight to video on demand. Mm-hmm. Could not find much about Nick Cage talking about this movie. I have to also assume that he felt passionately about this one if he wanted to be listed as an executive producer on it. Yeah, I guess so. Also, just some speculation there. Like I said, didn't find much. But what I do have for you is another segment, which I'm doing for 2019, where we're going through one of my favorite articles about Nicolas Cage. I think everyone's favorite article about Nicolas Cage is from the New York Times, and it's called Nicolas Cage on Acting, Philosophy, and Searching for the Holy Grail. Mm. So we've discussed the Holy Grail. We've discussed his attitudes towards taking movie roles just for money. What do you got for us this week? Yeah, I just wanted to remind everyone that this is uh, an interview that he does with one guy, and it's very long, so you should take a look at it if you want to read all of it. I'm not going to go through every every single question, but this <laughs> this interviewer asks hard-hitting and compelling questions, mm. David Marquez, Marchez, however you pronounce that name. So what we're going to talk about today is Nick's, uh, we're going to take a bit of a deep dive into his psyche. Oh, um, okay. A deep psychological dive. So, David, my friend. <laughs> your, your dear, dear friend. You're on a first name <laughs> basis. Says, are the things that make you a great actor, like an inclination toward risk or emotional abandonment, ever a problem in your personal relationships? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. And Nick says, I think there has to be some unusualness to be able to be in a relationship with me. Well, yeah, he's not wrong with that. I feel things very deeply. I've had melancholia my whole life. I'm sensitive to my environment. I have to be in order to do what I do. And I can't just go to the pharmacy and say, hey, let me have some Prozac. I can't do it because that would put my instrument at risk. Oh, my God. (laughs) I, okay, I know, like, I know that technically speaking, singers consider their voice their instrument. But I've just always thought it was pretentious whenever it's not a physical thing that you can like touch and play. I've always thought it was pretentious that when people call something like that an instrument. I mean, I get it. You need to take care of it the same way you would take care of uh, probably even more so than you take care of a physical instrument. I mean, yeah, I I don't know. You could still just say I got to have I have to take care of my voice instead of saying I have to take care care of my my instrument. instrument. Yeah, that's a little obnoxious. It's kind of pretentious. Yeah. Well, Nick's voice, face, body. Ugh. His mind is his, his mind instrument. His mind is his instrument. That's what Yuck. he's saying. He would put it at risk. He, If he can't inform the dialogue with genuine emotional content, he'll be a phony on camera, and he doesn't want to be that. He's been phony on camera, he's I would usually say, phony on camera. <laughs> no less than 30% of the time. So then David comes out, and he asks what everyone has been thinking mm. about Nick. Mm-hmm. says, Nick... Have you gone to therapy? Wow. Okay. And Nick says, I haven't been in any kind of analysis for at least 20 years. The times that I have done it, there were some benefits. It's kind of like writing in a diary. You get things out. 
However, inevitably, mm. there was a point where I'd look at the person and I'd start to go, why am I talking to you? I'm more interesting than you. And then oh I'd my... get up and walk out. So oh I stopped God. going. You know, That's not the point. It's, it's always a really momentous occasion in someone's life when they realize they're more interesting than their therapist. Oh, wait, that doesn't happen to people because that's not the point of therapy, as you mentioned. Uh, not at all the point of therapy, <laughs> but Nick has remained, you know, capable of staying introspective. He's studied a lot of philosophies, come up with his own acting style. Kabuki. Constantly doing, doing Western kabuki. Nouveau shamanicism. Connecting to animals. In ways. In various ways unforeseen <laughs> so that's i mean if that's not therapy i don't know what is except real therapy. except actual therapy <laughs> talking well, to he's tried it who went to school for it yeah. he's far too interesting to speak to someone who was less interesting than him so I, I i always think about like what would happen if i ran into him and had a conversation with him it's like well he'd get bored i'm of you. <laughs> i'm very uninteresting yeah well, I mean, but compared to him, I think you're an interesting person. But you you love me. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> presumably. Let's take it easy. We're engaged. We're not married. <laughs> Pardon me. But I don't know. We we go to parties and things. I mean, less so these days than perhaps when we started this podcast. But, you know, we tell people we have a podcast about Nicolas Cage and they go, that's interesting as hell. We have interesting aspects of our life. And that might be it. And that might... That might be it. We'll come up with something new after this. <laughs> we got like five more movies and a TV show to analyze before we have to come up with our next big thing. No, I do always say to my friends, like, I have other things about me than this podcast. I thought you were going to say that you always say to your friends, I'm way more interesting than you and you bore me. <laughs> that's usually what I say first. To, to your therapist. No, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I start, like, that's how I lead the conversation. Of course. They, they have I to say, know. First of all, let me set you in your place. I'm far more interesting than you and you bore me. So mm -hmm. don't even speak back to me. But I'm going to tell you that I also have more interesting things about me than this podcast that I do. Yeah. So just remember that. Yeah. This, <laughs> I think this podcast for me, legitimately, I don't know when I would ever have this happen to me again. But if I ever have to do a two truths and a lie, I am definitely incorporating the Nicolas Cage podcast as an icebreaker for like a you know a group of people. Yeah, like if Alex Trebek was still alive and you got on Jeopardy, uh -huh. would you give this as your fun fact? Because he would make it way less fun. Well, okay, so here's the thing. <laughs> I don't know because I don't think I'd ever be smart enough to qualify for Jeopardy. A and okay. B, in, Jeopardy's in still going on, so. Yeah, but in a different universe where Alex Trebek is still alive and you're also a smart person. Ah, yes. <laughs> you know, if I were a smarter person, I wouldn't be subjecting myself to, the, to this to podcast. The, yeah. True. Yeah, yeah. An, intelli an intelligent there. person wouldn't do this to themselves. Right, right. The Speaking of psychological torment and needing therapy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what we'll be doing after we're done this podcast. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, it'll just be episodes of us talking about Nicolas Cage movies to our therapist. In the few hours a week that we dedicate to this, yeah. we'll dedicate to therapy instead. Yeah, that's yeah, a good idea. Oh, boy. Um, Are we ready? I think we're ready. So let's go through this movie, Nick Cage Scene, by Nick Cage Scene, because this movie is fun, and there's a lot of details that I think can easily be missed, and I think, honestly, I probably missed, 
But the movie opens up on essentially a Nicolas Cage scene where he is a hotel clerk. And he's, let's talk about his look. He's got nice big glasses, similar to last week, but a a little bit darker framed. Less pedophile. Yes. They weren't like the aviator mm -hmm. style. They were just plastic frames. Yeah. Yeah. More intellectual, less pedophilic. (laughs) As you, yes, as you noted. He is the clerk at a hotel, and so he's got this, oh, he's got those glasses, and he's got a great-looking beard. A thick beard. Apparently, yeah. the one thing that I did learn was mm. that he wanted a mustache, and mm. I guess the director said no. Thank God. You it, get a beard. It would have been, it would not have been good. It would have been distracting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's got a big, just thick beard, but trimmed. Yeah, and dark. It's yeah. it's probably it's dyed like, black. Yeah. And uh, he's got he's got that jet black hair, even though he's probably naturally gray at this point. He's like in his 60s. Is. He <laughs> is. We've seen him go naturally gray for characters. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it was a little confusing, but two men walk into the hotel, one mustachioed gentleman and one bald man. And uh, he goes, they, they all kind of point guns at each other. And Nick Cage realizes he's sort of on the ropes. And w- w- the audience doesn't really know what's going on. And he tells... The bald guy, he says, I know your partner doesn't want to hear it, but I can tell you want to hear a story. So let's sit down. I'll buy you a beer and I'll tell you a story. So then from that point on, we sort of are assuming that the next, what, 30 to 45 minutes Mm -hmm. are told through the lens of Nicolas Cage. Right. I expected after hearing, do you want to hear a story that Nick would be the narrator Mm. and we would just kind of hear like dialogue in the background of him speaking but you don't hear that you just see the story which i like better yeah yeah me too yeah absolutely so after he says let me tell you a story like i said there's about 30 to 45 minutes of scenes that don't include Nicolas Cage, but it's kill chain after kill chain after kill chain so i'll just lay them out very quickly for you it is an old man sniper who was hired for a gig where he's got a setup in this hotel, Hotel Del Franco, and he's got a, you know, his mark is going to be at an intersection. He's just waiting, and he's waiting, and he has a bad relationship with his daughter, and he's waiting, and then he finally realizes he's the mark, you know? So there's another sniper on another roof that snipes him first, and that guy's name is Sanchez. So it goes old man, old man to Sanchez, and then Sanchez gets picked up by these douchebags who are pretending to be cops, and then they kill Sanchez, and one douchebag cop kills the other douchebag cop, and the douchebag cop has a sexy lady girlfriend who, who, who uh, you know, they, they lady meet up. Lady in red. The lady in red. Called. Oh, is that what she's billed as? Mm-hmm. Interesting. So she is the lady in red, and uh, the douchebag. She's a, a known actress. Is she? Yeah, she's on some HBO show, I think. Let me look. And so is her her boyfriend, the douchebag guy. Douchebag cop. Ryan Quantin. I recognize the... He's in True Blood. Oh, okay. I never got into True Blood. Me neither. I recognized the old man sniper uh, was the father from Veronica Mars. Enrico 
Colin Tony. Yes, father from Veronica yes. Mars and Correct. another famous role. I forget what it was. His first build role, or not his Galaxy first Quest. Build. Galaxy Quest. He's great in Galaxy Quest. I've never heard of Galaxy Quest. Oh, it's it's a fantastic movie. You should watch it. It's sort of like a Star Trek spoof. It's really funny. Ah, yes. Okay, mm-hmm. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, with Alan Rickman yep, and Tony yep, Shalhoub. Yep, yeah. Yep. Okay. Got and it. a young Rain Wilson. Oh, fun. Mm-hmm. And then um, the lady in red, whatever we want to call her, her, her name is Annabelle Acosta, mm-hmm. and she's in Quantico. Oh, Quantico. She's and, not the main, because that's Ballers. Priyanka. Oh, and Ballers, okay. Yeah, the main girl in Quantico is Priyanka Chopra, right? Exactly. Okay, cool. So we go, Old Man Sniper gets killed by Sanchez, gets killed by Douchebag douche cop. cop, gets killed by the other Douchebag Cop, uh, gets killed by... I believe the woman was billed as the very bad woman. Uh, yes. And her henchman, who is a guy with braces. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the lady in red escapes to where else but the Hotel Del Franco and runs into who else but the hotel clerk of Nicolas Cage. So we pick back up with Nicolas Cage. And when she originally shows up, Nick Cage is speaking just horrible Spanish again. I mean, you know, he's playing an American who's... There are a lot of people in this movie with American accents. We'll talk about one in particular, I think, <laughs> in just a just a few seconds here. <laughs> so, sexy lady uh, in red checks in. He shows it to her room. She goes down to the bar, and they they get like really weirdly flirtatious. Flirtatious. Nick Cage and this woman who's clearly like forty years younger than him. Uh, we learn Nicolas Cage has won the hotel in a poker game. And that he may or may not have killed Franco in order to get the bar in the hotel. Didn't she say that he has like scars? Yeah, and she, his hands look evil. Yeah, this, what, did, what did she say this about him? This scene <laughs> is just one of those scenes that's written in such a way. You've seen this in movies before, where it's like, "You don't strike me as a man who would own a bar such as this. You don't strike me as a woman who would come into a bar such as this." You look as though you've seen violence in your life. How would you know that you've seen men of violence? In your... I've seen men. And like, it's just one of those things where like. The, it's very accurate. The, the writing is so cheesy. I think but it's I a part of it. that like noir style thing. I think it is. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a great point. So Nick Cage pours her a shot of tequila, I believe. Doesn't matter. She wants tequila and a beer. She He pours her a shot. He pours himself a shot. Oh, yes. Takes the shot and he goes finger guns in the air as he takes his shot. Fantastic. The only emotion from this man so far. (laughs) And, you know, he doesn't really show he does. He shows a lot towards the end, I guess. But he's Mm. he's not as cagey in this movie, I would say, overall. Pew, 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 finger guns. Uh, He does pew, 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 finger guns. And that's fantastic. That's what I next time I take a tequila shot. I'm doing that. You gotta go. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> <laughs> so Nicolas Cage, after the sexy lady makes her way up to her room after her drink, makes his way outside for a smoke, and he runs into one of the couple of regular hookers on the street corner in which his hotel is situated. And this woman comes up and she goes, Hello, Nicolas Cage. May I borrow a cigarette from you, please? Because, you know, like a Colombian hooker would. No accent, no broken English, no, like, tattoos, like, no missing teeth. She is, like, the cleanest, most eloquent, most American hooker in all of Colombia, and I don't understand. 
I mean, I guess good for her. But, like, it's supposed to be a seedy intersection. I don't know. It's supposed to be a seedy hotel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why, like, what kind of clientele is she getting there? Not the high-end stuff that she could get elsewhere. <laughs> it's just bad business, I think. It's really what it comes down to. Anywho, their, their, their interaction is not very important, but they do see a mysterious car out front. And uh, that's really just about it for that scene. Nicolas Cage goes back into this hotel, goes to his office in the hotel. Sexy lady's got, like, her dress down, like, around her shoulder waiting by the office door. And they hook up and bang. What? No reason. No. I guess the reason is that she wants him to do whatever she wants. Right? And what she wants him to do... Yeah, she's manipulating him more than... Well, I guess we later learn that he is also, in a way, manipulating her. Right. But, I don't know. It was just kind of gross. Yeah. It felt like they both could have been like, wait a second. We're manipulating each other. Let's just get past this pretense here. (laughs) But they... I don't know. Yeah. Her boyfriend just died. Yeah. Her boyfriend just got got by the very bad woman in The Man in Braces. (laughs) But... The braced man. the, The braced man. So... Really, all we learned from this scene is that the sexy lady is trying to get Nicolas Cage out of the building. And it's again that like, well, I, what if what if I asked you to leave the building? Why would I leave the building? Well, what if somebody told you that you could have a choice? I wouldn't I would always have there's always a choice. And it's just that. Is that of, what this conversation was about? It was like really cheesy dialogue. It. it was really cheesy dialogue. <laughs> But really, it was like she wanted him to leave because at this point, we'll find she out knew later. That. She knew that there were people after her and she knew that she needed a hiding spot for her stash of like in an escape plan for her money. Right. So that's part of the whole deal is that the there's a big prize of a bag of diamonds for killing the mark, the old man in the beginning. So Sanchez picks up the diamonds, the douche cops pick up the diamonds, and then the sexy lady picks up the diamonds. Yeah. So she It's ne- a part of the kill chain, if you will. <laughs> it's part of the it, it is an essential link in the, in kill, the kill chain. chain. Exactly. An unbreakable link because and diamonds are Diamonds are forever. <laughs> yeah, the strongest material in the world or ah, some bullshit like that. Yes. So after they're having this terribly awkward conversation who shows up but the very bad woman in the man in braces to the hotel? So Nicolas Cage greets them. And again, there's just kind of random guns being pointed at each other. Uh, and they say, we're looking for a sexy lady in red. And he goes, yes, room 27, and leads her up to the room. Goes back down to the man in braces, like, let me pour you a drink. And he poisons the drink and kills the man in braces. Goes back up to the room where the sexy lady and the very bad woman are confronting one another and having it out. Pulls a gun on the very bad woman and says a great line when she goes, why are you protecting her? The the bad woman's like, why are you protecting her? You don't know either of us. And he says, I kind of don't like, oh, I'm sorry, excuse me. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, let's I, hear the voice. I kind of don't like you and I did enjoy fucking her. <laughs> great line. <laughs> really good stuff there. At least he's honest. Yes. Uh, sexy lady stabs the very bad woman. There's probably there's kind of like some Nick Cage screams in this scene when knives and guns are being pulled on one another, but they're not really worth editing in. I don't. They're think. not like well pronounced. Exactly. 
So then all of a sudden, we're back at the start. Who walks into the hotel now but the next crew of people? The mustachioed man and the bald man. You fucking nailed it, Han. (laughs) We're back at the start. And now Nicolas Cage is telling the story. And the story goes that Nicolas Cage and Franco... I did not follow, so okay. I'm very curious. Okay, I got you. I got you. I'm I'm going to be your kill chain Sherpa and guide you through this story. God bless. So Nicolas Cage and Franco were partners in this assassin organization similar to the mustachioed man and the bald man. They were a team. That team, that old team of Nicolas Cage and Franco once had a job where they had to retrieve some goods or something, is I think how he put it. And when they go to retrieve the goods, it's a bunch of like chained up and like sex trafficking for underage girls. So Nicolas Cage and Franco decide to one, keep the money, two, set the girls free, and three, run away from it all, move down to Colombia and open up this hotel. Franco kept one of the girls and raised her as a daughter and they got very close the daughter got older and when she turned 17 or 18 or something she went out on her own and got mixed in with the douchebag cops who we saw earlier we also find out that he nicholas cage figured that all of the other girls that they set free were likely killed by some other assassins and who killed those other girls but Sanchez killed them. So again, it's that's the second guy in the chain. So it was like, ah, it all comes for a full circle. So what Franco decides to do is get his revenge. Mm-hmm. But since his daughter's involved, he gets, I don't know, his, his mind is, is foggy, I guess. And he doesn't remember his training. And he gets captured by the very bad woman and the guy in braces and gets killed by them. So again, it's all tying together. And this is where it's like all very... All comes full circle. That's how the chain tends to work you're fucking goddamn right (laughs) and this is like where it's really like that like that noir style movie where also i'm proud of myself because everything that you said i also understood oh okay so you understood the movie at least the same way i did yeah i didn't didn't really understand nick's role in all of this though well nick cage was the partner of franco so it's almost like a revenge story in a way okay so we haven't gotten to the part that I didn't understand yet. Okay. So let me see if, if we <laughs> can get there. <laughs> so, so he's telling this story that I'm telling you fine folks right now to the mustachioed man and to the bald man. And he says, there's a bunch of cash and guns upstairs. Why don't you all take th- Why don't you take them? Here's the combination to the safe. And he writes down the combination to the safe. And the two guys are like, why the hell are you doing this? He's like, I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for the person I've been really talking to this entire time. And it's the sexy lady with a gun. And she's standing at the top of the stairs. And she starts firing down. And all four of these people are some of the worst shots that you've ever seen in a movie. Three of the four of these people are highly trained assassins. <laughs> and they cannot land a shot. I mean, I guess they know like where to position themselves in cover so that they don't get shot because they're highly trained assassins. That's They only know defense. They do not know offense. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, so there's a, a big shootout, a big firefight, and there's a point where Nicolas Cage is essentially pinned down. He's pinned into the office. He can't get to his gun. 
because the bald guy has a shotgun and Nicolas Cage just takes the shotgun from him and they and the bald guy just like runs away even though he has a clear shot at Nicolas Cage because he's got a pistol in his other hand. I don't know why the bald guy didn't kill Nicolas Cage in that moment, but I guess it had to keep the movie going. So Nicolas Cage ultimately shotguns the bald guy and he originally when the mustachio guy walked into the hotel he gave the mustachioed guy his revolver and said here take my gun so you know i'm unarmed little do we know or little did he know that he had the gun rigged to like explode whenever he pulled the trigger and the gun blew up in the dude's face did we get to the part that you're not familiar with yet no okay so I think now that probably means that you know what part I don't understand. I think so. So Nicolas Cage, <laughs> after having killed these two guys, he takes the sexy lady back up to the safe, and I believe they split the diamonds, or he gives her the diamonds. And really, I think what Nicolas Cage wants at this point is to just be done. Uh, and he wants to go on the run because he knows that there's going to be another pair of assassins that will come after him because mm-hmm. he was one he's the one who's been orchestrating this entire thing. Right. So he gives the sexy lady the diamonds and he says, I know that, you know, you wanted a fake ID and because she shows up to the hotel and says, Hey, I'm here to meet a man named Snake and he's like, Oh, I don't know who that is and then at the end he's like, I'm Snake, I'm the man you want. But you don't need a fake ID because you can just have your diamonds and now the very bad lady's dead, so you're all good. So the sexy lady escapes, she gets out, Nicolas Cage goes to check on the old man who was from the beginning of the movie, who's somehow still alive, even though he got sniped a bunch of times through the chest by Sanchez. This is the part I don't understand. Okay. And it's revealed that the old man was partners with Sanchez and he was there when Sanchez killed the girls that Nicolas Cage set free. Ah. So he sort of used him as like the original bait to like get the whole kill chain started because he wanted all of these people dead. Nick Cage Cage. started the kill chain. In a way, yeah. To get them all into his hotel. Yeah. So, So Nick Cage was... He, I guess, like, lured the old man sniper mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. to assassinate whoever. To his have mark someone was. else assassinate him. Right. To have to, like another person assassinate right. that person. Have another person assassinate that person. Yeah. Kill chain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he, just your classic kill chain. <laughs> just, just what are your classics really? He puts the old man out of his misery. And then he takes the old man's phone, who's had, who's always had troubles with his daughter because he's never been able to look at his daughter since he killed all those girls who were in sex traffic rings. And Nicholas Cage That's why. calls his daughter. We don't hear the conversation, but he just walks down the street as he calls his daughter and walks away. And that's the movie. Yeah. Save it for the sequel, baby, because he's like, I know more people are coming for me. There, no, no, straight to video on demand. Yeah. I thought it was kind of fun. I thought it was yeah, kind of cool. Yeah, I thought it was fun. But yeah, I think calling it a noir movie is is perfect. It's yeah. it's a noir. Yeah, I like it. it. I think they could have done more with like the filming and the colors. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty standard. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. That's Basic, a good point. Average. Basic bitch. Yeah, yeah. 
It was your. Ba- it was. It was just like your basic bitch film noir. It was your pumpkin spice latte <laughs> of your. It was your, your film white noir. woman's Instagram. Yeah, detective yeah. film noir. Exactly. So, any other closing thoughts before we get to our last segment of our show here? No. <laughs> Good. I was trying to think of a line from the movie, and the only one that I could think of is the one that he says about fucking the girl. (laughs) Well, I didn't like you, but I liked fucking her. Yeah. But that didn't have anything to do with me liking the movie. No, not really. I didn't like the movie, but I liked not... Watching it, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Um, I liked... Yeah, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We've had a lot of distractions. Yes. Our doorbell rang halfway through. I had to go talk to somebody. So, yeah, there's some weird edits because of the many distractions this week. Yes, yes. I but here we are. Let's do some awards. Would love your focus when I ask I'm trying. who is the best supporting actor? Lady in Red. The sexy lady. Yeah, she was pretty good. I mean, I, there were a lot of people that I actually liked. I don't know if there was like a silly one to give it to. <laughs> the clean prostitute. Oh, my God. <laughs> With an American accent. Yeah, I mean, everybody was pretty much on the same level of acting, but I think she was, like, the worst because she was, she was so clean. poorly casted. Yeah. Or, like, made up, I yeah. guess. Like, they could have done more to make her look a little bit just... Also, like, <laughs> if you're filming in Colombia, why not you get Colombian You couldn't get a Colombian people? actor? None of these people were Colombian. I mean, not that we're aware of. I mean, Sanchez could have been, I guess. And there were maybe one or two other Hispanic people, but... Sanchez had, like, two lines. No, Sanchez had a good couple of scenes in the beginning. Did he? Yeah. He was the second cog in the kill chain machine. Oh, yeah, and then he got got. He got got. Yeah, yeah, okay, I forgot about that. By, like, a random American. <laughs> yeah. So... So, yeah, we can the, the I, we hooker? can ironically give it to the clean hooker. Okay, sounds great. <laughs> to, the, to the casting director. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, best dressed. He's really only in the one outfit. It's a pretty standard outfit. I can't think of anything leather else. Ja- is it a leather jacket? I think it's just like a casual sweater blazer kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think With the glasses? Else. Yeah. But the beard. It's a nice beard. The beard. Uh, worst Nick Cage scene? Probably the scene that you made fun of where we said that it might be like a thing that they just do in in film noir or in detective movies where it's like i can't believe that you'd be here on a day like this well i can't believe that you would know that i'm here on a day like this <laughs> yeah it is shit like this so that would be like at the bar with the sexy lady the first time yeah. where he's pouring the drink yeah okay that's fair uh best nicholas cage scene i mean there's the shootout at the end but i like the way he told the story yeah yeah. It was compelling. Yeah, it reminded me like, you know, like of any of those kinds of movies. I think most recently the the movie that did it well was when um Oh my god, what's his name? James Bond <laughs> did it at the end of uh Knives Out with Chris Evans. Oh. <laughs> I can't remember the name of the actor, but James Bond is his character, mm-hmm. but yeah. I I, lo- I love those when movies kind of culminate in those it was my evil master plan the whole time. I keep thinking Jason Statham, but it no. wasn't. Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. Yes. 
but yeah, okay, I like that the the reveal of the the evil plot or the story, the mm-hmm. the background at the end, especially because it was interesting since he told the sexy lady that he won the hotel in a game of poker, mm-hmm. and that didn't feel very believable. So mm-hmm. then you know she's a little bit sus of that, and then the audiences as well, and then we learn what actually happened. Yeah, and it was. And he says, like, I'm actually telling this story to her. Yeah. Like, this was all for her. Yeah. I like that. So that was cool. I do. I like that. All right. Yes. Best Nick Cage scream. Not really very many screams. We skipped right by it, but I don't remember which scene it was. But he he says a line really weird. Towards the end? Yeah. Yeah, I did skip by it because I didn't write down his line. But he was like, we found the girls. They were naked and alone. Yeah. like Kind of like that, but it's not like screaming. It, he kind of shouts it. He kind of shouts it. We can give it to that because there's really so. nothing else. Yeah. He he was really choked up about finding these girls. Yeah. And delivered it in a relatively unconvincing way. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. And then... Finding these girls. Like, it was like something like that. He's done that so many times. That's such I a know. spot on impression. <laughs> Um, all right, I like that. And yeah. then finally hand the most nouveau shamanic moments. It's gotta be pew pew pew. It's gotta after be after taking I was gonna a say. shot of tequila. Oh my goodness. Well, that's gonna do it, I think, for our Nick Cage Awards. One last thing to do. Where mm-hmm. are we ranking this one? It was enjoyable. Yeah. Wasn't my favorite, wasn't my least favorite. Right. I'm scrolling through our movies here. And I thought it sort of reminded me of Dog Eat Dog a little. Okay. How would you feel about that? Maybe I think Dog maybe, Eat Dog was better. Yeah, I agree. Below Dog Eat Dog, we have Army of One. Mm-hmm. And then G-Force and then Teen Titans. Okay. After Army of One. Mm, so Army of One's better. Well, he was way cagier yeah. in Army of One. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay. Well, great. Well, we're going to put it right there then. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> next week as long as it's before g-force oh yeah well yeah g-force was really something but there's a lot of movies under g-force that are just so above above, yeah you know what i mean numbers 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 are hard numbers like oh but with a three at the end stencil or whatever that's what we call a callback uh next week we're going to be watching primal oh i've heard of this one it does not have great reviews. Really? No. Doesn't it have a white tiger or something like that? I believe it does cover? have wildlife involved. I feel like on like the cover photo. Yeah, it's like a cheetah it's or a tiger or something on the poster. Poster, yeah. Yeah, cover photo cover is photo. Uh, for Facebook. Facebook. <laughs> you old lady. <laughs> um, but this was the movie where... Yeah, few... there's a tiger behind him. Yeah, this was... The... He's in the foreground. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Cool. Yeah, but this was the movie that a few weeks ago, he was on the red carpet for one of his other movies, and he looked like he did in Primal, and people were like, whoa, he's unrecognizable. It was sort of like a viral Uh, story that went around a few years ago. Yes, I remember that. Yep, yep, yep. Wow. Yeah, that one doesn't have good reviews. No. Well. We're going to watch it. Oh, wait. I think I remember this woman from some taken movies the Who? wife from the taken movies famka jansen yes wow she's like she, she's good. the female lead oh boy 
So we'll see how that goes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, yeah, are we done here? Uh, anything else, unless there's something else you want to add? No, the only thing I would like to say is that we will always be here for you. And you should go to therapy <laughs> if you need more help than what we can provide. Yeah. Uh, unless you're too interesting for therapy, then I understand. But we will always be here for you through Nick and Thin. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care. Ow.